It's Jim, it's the World of Bonds, it's Friday the 3rd of February 2023. This is for professional investors only, never ever investment advice. Now I'm pretty sure if you'd given an AI system uh, the outcome of yesterday's monetary policy meetings from the Bank of England and the ECB, together with Wednesday's Fed meeting and also fed into it all the press conference material, all the statements that came around, the interest rate changes, etc. If you'd given all of that in advance to um, some sort of uh, advanced system, its output would probably be that it would suggest selling some government bonds and also selling some risky assets. Um, but given that yesterday saw one of history's biggest ever rallies in government bonds, it, you know we have to ask ourselves what kind of information was AI missing um, compared to the outcomes that we had. So in the UK, for instance, 10-year gilt yields were down 30 basis points, down to touching below 3% again. Bunds saw the biggest move in over a decade with the 10-year bund yield falling by 20 basis points. And on the periphery, BTP, the Italian government bond market, those yields were down over 40 basis points at one uh, point. So what is the missing factor given everything that central banks said to markets over the course of the last couple of days and what they did in terms of interest rate hikes that's caused the big rally in government bonds that I think took everybody by surprise, frankly. The usual explanation at times like this is positioning, the old saying, more buyers than sellers, um, that fund managers perhaps were very, very underweight duration against their benchmarks or against their peers. Hedge fund managers had taken big negative bets on bond markets. And suddenly with what starts off as a relatively small, small move downwards in bond yields, um, causes short covering by a few and that drives yields a little bit down further and so on and so forth that the the more price moves the more it causes future price moves um, so that's the theory really um, panicky buying of bonds by people who didn't have them uh, but I guess it wasn't just a bond market phenomenon um, you can also look at equities, had a fantastic day with the exception of some of the tech companies who seem to be uh, going through a few problems at the moment. But credit had a huge rally with crossover, the European high yield credit index trading below 400 at one point. So it was a risk on rally um, in risky assets and it was a government bond rally elsewhere, which is, again, you normally get some, well, you hope as a, a, a portfolio manager to get some sort of diversification between those moves. Um, in this case, everything moved um, up at the same time. Um, the other explanation you hear, which is kind of related a bit to this, is around what's called convexity hedging. This is a US Treasury bond market only phenomenon, really, because um, the US has this huge fixed rate mortgage market. Uh, if you've got a mortgage in the States for 30 years and... Excuse me. Sorry about that. If you've got a mortgage, you can pay it back at any time you like. Um, and so when bond yields fall... And you can see a more attractive mortgage somewhere else. You can just go along, repay your old mortgage, take out a new mortgage at lower rates. But that means that if you're a fund manager owning bonds based on those older mortgages, uh, you suddenly get paid your money back. So rather than having a duration of, say, six in your portfolio made up of uh, uh, 
20, 25, 30-year bond, you, you might end up with a, uh, a duration that's lower than that. And that means in order to keep your duration overall the same, you have to go into the market and buy something. You have to buy some treasuries, for instance, or some new mortgage bonds with long duration. And that, um, that helps drive this price, driving price dynamic as well. So I'm not sure how much of this rally yesterday was about mortgage markets, but you know I'm just explaining another dynamic um, that I think is important um, to consider as bond yields fall rapidly. So let's remind ourselves what did happen yesterday in the central bank world and indeed the day before on Wednesday. I think the overall takeaway for me is that we're near the top of the hiking cycle and that everyone is realising we're at the top of the hill now. You know, there may be a short little uphill to come, but even that is not entirely clear. Um, and we know that turning points in monetary policy and in regimes can be fertile conditions for volatility. And this feeling of nearing the end was reflected in three consecutive broker notes that landed in my inbox yesterday evening. So the first one was Barclays, their Bank of England watching note. The headline was The Sense of an Ending, followed immediately by BNP Paribas, Bank of England, The Beginning of an End. And then uh, JP Morgan, Bank of England getting closer to the end note. Only RBC seemed to buck the trend. Their note was called Peak. Anyway, the bank yesterday hiked 50 basis points, um, but they also showed a profile for UK growth that I guess took away the long and deep recession that the bank had been talking about and replaced it with a shallow and short recession. Um, so it's slightly surprising that markets repriced in the other direction, expecting fewer rate hikes. So they've even taken out much of the suggestion that the Bank of England hikes in March by 25 basis points. So despite that kind of revision upwards in growth opportunities for the UK, markets are pricing in fewer rate hikes from the bank. The ECB also isn't done and explicitly said as much yesterday. So we got a 50 basis point hike from the European Central Bank, uh, but we also got a nailed on 50 basis point hike for the March meeting. That's been pre-announced effectively. I guess in both cases, there were hints that there's going to be a bit more looking at data thereafter, so-called data dependency, and talking of re-evaluating down the line what, what they might have to do. The Fed on Wednesday hiked 25 basis points again, exactly as expected. And Powell, the chair of the Fed, explicitly said, we have more work to do, i.e. we need to hike rates again. But bond markets there too are higher, 10-year uh, US Treasury bond yields down at 3.39% compared to just over 3.5% before that meeting. And at the short end, the kind of money market strip, that's pricing in um, the chance of one last hike and getting up to 5% effectively, but for sure now pricing in cuts by November. So, you know, we could be down below 4.5% by the end of the year from perhaps a peak of 5 perhaps a peak where we are now. Anyway, um, if this um, exuberance is just about kind of psychological fear of short covering, then you can often expect a kind of quick and aggressive reversal of that uh, in following days. So I wouldn't be entirely surprised to see bond yields go higher today. But having said that, it's a big day today for the US day data. It's a non-farm payroll day, the biggest data release in the US economic calendar, especially given how 
much markets are talking about and placing faith in the strength of the US labour market. So if you look at lots of areas of the US economy, inflation is coming down rapidly, especially in goods and energy and food and things like that. But the stickier bit of the inflation basket is in services now. It took a bit longer than goods and services to start inflating, but is now stickier and probably expected to remain high and even increase from here. And the big driver, of course, from service sector inflation is wages and sticky wages, increasing wages and, and so forth. So um, people are looking out for today's data, um, looking at average hourly earnings, which are currently running at about just under 5%, 4.6%, expected to fall a little bit to 43 um, so going in the right direction as far as the Fed's concerned. But um, it's also worth looking at the overall number of non-farm payrolls, the number of jobs created in the US economy by sectors other than farming, which is, of course, very, very seasonal. So that's why that's stripped out. So if you go back a year ago, the US economy was creating 700,000 new jobs in in a month. The middle of last year, July, um, up to 550,000 new jobs and that was quite an outlier month actually it was um, higher than the one surrounding it but since then it's been coming down every month uh, month after month and uh, in December we created 223,000 new jobs in the states today the expectation is for under 200,000 or 189,000 um, and people are wondering, you know, there are so many jobs openings in the US. Jolts is the big economic indicator that people look at, showing that there are just, you know, hundreds of thousands of job openings in the US. Uh, and yet the US isn't creating new jobs. And normally when you see a falling non-farm payroll number, you think that's down to the weakness of the economy. In this case, though, it probably isn't. It's um, probably reflecting people leaving the workforce and uh, it employee employers are not creating jobs because are not not creating jobs because they don't have demand they're not ah oh, there are too few workers out there people are retiring early they're taking early retirement or they're ill because of long covid or opioids or um you know despair and all of those illnesses of modern day society and that is the problem um in a world where we don't have enough young people coming through demographically. Uh, immigration isn't also enough. And so that's probably putting the burden on technology to solve some of these labour shortage issues. Otherwise, we're going to get some significant wage wage gains uh, in future. And uh, inflation will come back in 2024. Anyway, have good weekends. I'll catch you later. Bye.